1: Good morning and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs, along with me is T.J. Inman, and today we are talking conference previews. We're starting our annual conference previews. We are starting down south in the SEC, where it just means more. Uh, But first, we have a, a word from our folks over at Sports Drink. Today's episode of the Hoosier Huddle Podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social media. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sportsdrink without the vowels. All that we ask is you close the door behind you because we're trying not to let the funk out well tj it's that time of year again and um you know we're gonna start in the sec where uh you know where 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 it just means more so usually we save the sec we're right before the big 10 but this year we're, we're leading it off uh there's I think of a couple themes in the SEC that, that I want to talk about. One, is, is it going to be Alabama and Georgia again? Can Texas yeah. A&M jump into that group? Um, and then what I'm actually really excited about is how teams three through 13 are going to play. Now, my wife graduated from Vanderbilt uh, with a graduate degree, so I always have a soft spot for um, for the Commodores down in Nashville. But uh, teams three through 13, I, I think, are going to provide a lot of excitement in the SEC. Now, they might not go to the national title game and in, in college football playoff, but uh, that's what makes college football great, in my opinion, is these regular season games between rivals um, that really mean a lot. So we'll touch on those. We'll uh, Give our teams games to watch that aren't involving teams named Alabama and Georgia against each other, and uh, mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll pick a road trip destination. Maybe talk a little bit about LSU and Florida with new coaches as well. So let's get down. First question: Is it going to be Alabama and Georgia again for the I don't know ten millionth time?
2: Right. Yeah, I, I think that um, picking anything differently would be foolish. I mean, you have to continue to pick those two squads to win the division until somebody proves otherwise. Um, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of the Patriots with the AFC East. You know, every year you would get, oh, the Dolphins. You know, they're they're feeling good, or or you know, the the Jets were feeling good, but More times than not, the Patriots would be the the pick in the AFC East because ultimately they figure out a way to get it done. Um, With Alabama and Georgia, it's even a little bit easier. There's no salary cap here, just recruiting. And those two squads continue to recruit the best. Therefore, they continue to win. Um, Now, I do think that we have to mention Texas A&M is really threatening to break up that monopoly at the top of the league uh thanks to you know I, I guess we can call it what it is nil money coming in at really levels to nobody else's matching quite yet um and they've been able to secure the top recruiting class but yeah that they're still just going to be freshmen um and that's just even the guys that are on campus already. So um, I think that they are still a bit away from being able to, to threaten Alabama and Georgia, those those 800-pound gorillas at the top of this conference. So, yeah, I think you have to say the picks are still those two. Of course, they lost a lot from last season's teams. They always do. And guess what? There's other guys ready to step in. Uh, so I, I, I think that... It's a clear 1-2 uh, headed for Atlanta in the SEC title game. Really, the question, as you said, for the SEC comes in, who's right behind that? And is there a third team ready to try and take a shot for the college football playoff? Is there a third team, a second one from the West probably is what we're looking at, that's ready to maybe go 11-1, and and have a legitimate claim to the college football playoff uh, behind the SEC winner. I think it's possible. Um, But I, I I personally don't think that Texas A&M is ready to challenge it just yet.
1: Yeah. Well, what gives you kind of hope that Texas A&M can challenge is they did knock off Alabama last year with a a backup quarterback and things like that. But this is – the schedule flips a little bit, um, inverts itself. The Texas A&M has to go to – they have to go to Alabama. They have to go to Auburn. And the Alabama – there's there's four, four games on that schedule between September 21st and October 22nd, including a, an open week that are away from College Station. Um, you yep. know they they play Arkansas in Arlington, and then they go at Mississippi State, at Alabama, out South Carolina. Now Texas A&M, while they beat Alabama last year, still finished eight and four and unranked. Uh, they opted out of the bowl game a- after uh, some COVID issues as well. So can you can you hope that they they beat Alabama? Um, they don't get a shot at Georgia in the regular season. Uh, their crossovers are Florida and South Carolina. Um, so, so not, not terrible crossovers, but also you're going to have to go. I don't know if you, if you go 11 and one, do you have enough to and, and lose to Alabama? Do you have enough to be a non sec division champion to make it, um as either the second playoff team or um or a third sec playoff team which i i don't really want to think about because that's it, i just i no conference needs three people in the playoff um georgia loses a ton uh, i think they had like 15 nfl draft picks uh off that defense if they get oregon to open open the year in atlanta um And then after that, their schedule is not that hard. Um, You know, you got trips to South Carolina, Missouri. You get Florida and Jacksonville. And you have to go to Mississippi State and Kentucky. And we'll talk about that middle of the pack here soon. Uh, But, you know, again, it comes down to a strength of schedule as well for Georgia. If they drop a game in the regular season and lose to Alabama in the SEC title game, do they get, you know, the benefit of the doubt of playing in the SEC East uh, and, you know, being a a two-loss uh, a two-loss team getting into the playoff, or if they go twelve and zero in the in the regular season, Alabama beats them in the SEC title game. Do they at twelve and one? Do, do they have, you know, enough on that resume to 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 make it to the playoff as well? So it's that's going to be interesting, but it's still. But like you said, those two, and maybe Texas A&M play, plays a little bit of a role uh, in there. Let's talk about the middle of the pack. And it's really not the middle of the pack. It's the rest of the conference besides Vanderbilt. I, I think you have a lot of parity this year. And it, it's not that everybody's stinks. I think everybody's pretty good. Um, and that's not just saying that they're, they're in the SEC. Um, you, you have Texas A&M. You, so going three through 13, you have, like, Arkansas, Ole Miss. LSU should be pretty good. Um, Mississippi State, we'll see what Auburn does. Uh, Kentucky is, could challenge Georgia in the east. Uh, Tennessee is, is right there with Kentucky as well. Uh, Florida is going to probably be a a rebuilding year. Uh, And then South Carolina with Spencer Rattler. uh, If he plays how he did at Oklahoma uh, early in his career, they're going to be tough. Um, We'll see what Missouri does and and whatever. Vanderbilt's going to do whatever Vanderbilt does. But seeing how those teams affect the playoff race, can they knock off? Uh, Alabama or Georgia uh, uh, during the regular season is going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of excitement in my opinion. I know you're a big, big on Arkansas, um, but I think Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, Arkansas, Ole Miss should be fun to watch as well. So it's going to be a heck of a year in the SEC.
2: Yeah. You mentioned Arkansas. I'll I'll get to them in a minute. Um, But you know, Ole Miss, really hit the transfer portal hard and by all accounts uh brought in a lot of good weapons and good pieces to that uh to that lane. if and attack uh the question for them is going to be a quarterback you know can they find a quarterback that's going to come close to what Matt Corral gave them um I think that that's iffy uh Jackson Dart coming from USC Definitely struggled in the spring. Um, I think that it's very possible he loses out to Luke Altmeyer. And if if that's the case, you know what's the ceiling for Ole Miss? Mississippi State bringing back uh, a quarterback that uh, you know knows Mike Leach's system. And typically, the third year in the Mike Leach system is kind of when a, a team can hit pay dirt. They are one of the most veteran teams in the country, have a bunch of super seniors on their too Deep, That's enticing. Are they talented enough? We know they're veterans. We know that they're experienced. We know that they are in the Mike Leach system and that that works. The question is, is there a talented enough base level for them to take a step up? Um, Auburn, I'm I'm skeptical on Auburn. A lot of off-field drama. Uh, definitely seems like Brian Harson is going to have to pull off a miracle to get the boosters off his back and keep his job. I'm not sure what Auburn wants, but I don't think it's Brian Harsin. Um, and then you know you go to the East. I think Tennessee fans are incredibly excited. You They're can crack jokes. Yeah, I mean, you can crack jokes if you want to. um, But I think that there is legitimate reason for optimism. Uh, Josh Heupel has proven to be a very good offensive coach. um, And, you know, they're returning quite a bit. They added a good recruiting class. They've added some good stuff through the portal. Uh, I I think that there's a reason for them to think that they can be that second team in the East. I don't think they're ready to challenge Georgia. Uh, but definitely feels like Tennessee is on the way up. Um, Kentucky has turned themselves into an incredibly solid program, Uh, but uh, Will Levis, very good quarterback. The question for me is going to be, do they have enough explosiveness on offense to win games against teams that are more talented than they are? Um, So I, I come back. arkansas and i guess this could be where i differ from everybody else um i like the razorbacks to finish second in the west um season win total for them is between seven seven and a half depending on you know where you're looking uh i like them to go over that by quite a bit i nine or ten wins for me for arkansas uh kj jefferson is a dual threat quarterback I love Kendall Bryle's offense. I think it's a lot of fun to watch. They do have some questions at wide receiver. Um, Lost a couple of offensive weapons to the NFL, but look, they had four 500 yard rushers last season, the top rushing team in the SEC. They get back four offensive linemen that started last season. Uh, The only loss was a left tackle that they feel good about the guys that they have that can step in there um very experienced team i i think arkansas is one of the more fun teams to watch for me and i I don't know why that is um but i i I enjoy watching them i think a lot of it is the atmosphere there Um, it's really the only game in town i mean in that state arkansas is the university of arkansas that's it uh the razorbacks they're crazy about them and the schedule is really fun. Uh, they open yep. up against Cincinnati, which is going to be, you know, one to watch for Indiana fans uh, that Saturday on at 3.30 on ESPN on the 3rd. Uh, then they take on Spencer Rattler and South Carolina and then Missouri State, which whatever. Uh, so, you know, a, a couple of tests there early in the season, but still games I think Arkansas is going to be favored in. So you're looking at hopefully for a Razorback fan three and 0 and then the big one for the SEC West kind of sets up how that division race is going to play out versus Texas A&M in Arlington. They beat Texas A&M last season, and then at home against Alabama. Uh, after that, at Mississippi State, and then a fun game at BYU. Uh, that's I mean, it, it's a picturesque atmosphere and that's a really good fan base that it, that's not going to be an easy game. You know, that's a good program. They're bi-week. They're at Auburn. So, again, that's a, you know, a stretch of four out of five games away from home. Liberty, not a bad program whatsoever, uh, but they'll be a bit rebuilding on offense, I think. But Hugh Freeze will have that being a pretty good team. LSU at home, Ole Miss at home, at Missouri. So yeah, I South Carolina, Missouri, are the crossovers. I, I like how it sets up for Arkansas to take another step up under Sam Pittman, get into that second spot in the SEC West over Texas A&M. Uh, so I think that's probably my my bold prediction. Which for the SEC, you know, I'm not going as bold as oh they're ready to take over for Alabama, certainly not. Uh, but I do like them to be. Kind of a new year six
1: type team. Yeah, the, the th- you know we'll find out uh, that SEC West race really early. It seems like by mid October, um, Alabama plays Texas A and M October eighth, uh, and like you said, Arkansas on October first. You're gonna or you're gonna figure it out. Within those three weeks, of September twenty fourth to October eighth, who who has a stranglehold on that on that race? If it's between those three teams, uh, you'd think the team that went two and one or three and zero oh is really going to have uh, an advantage and, and going to the east uh, a little bit. I don't. I, I Kentucky is is good. Um, but they're good. It it just feels like they they can't get over that hump a little bit. They they lost to Tennessee last year, which kind of held them back. Um, they have a really good running back in Chris Rodriguez. They did lose three starters on the offensive defensive lines, and and that's tough to replace in the SEC. But um. Man, it's just going to be a fun, fun time watching the middle of these, uh, you know, these other teams in the SEC. Uh, You know, especially, you know, you, you look at IU's open week with, hey, let's watch some games. The October 29th games in the SEC are awesome. And we went over this in a text yesterday, TJ. There are a lot of awesome games on October 29th. So, if yeah. you're an IU fan looking for games to watch on the open week, you have there it, it might be a two or three TV day. Um, but on that October 29th, you got Florida, Georgia, which I hasn't really been close in the last couple of years, and then LSU, or sorry, um, and then you have Kentucky, Tennessee, which could determine who's second in the East. Um, and, and if somebody could beef if somebody could upset Georgia, which it could happen, um, then it's going to be all bets are off because Georgia has to go to, to Kentucky, November 19th, and they get Tennessee on November 5th. Um, We'll see. It's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, Let's go division winners, TJ uh, real quick. Cause it's, it's sounding like it's going to be Alabama and Georgia for whatever time in a row, uh, for the second time in a row, and at least like the third time at four years. Um, yeah. So I, I, I would take until somebody knocks off Alabama in the West, until somebody can consistently knock off Georgia in the East, those are the two teams I'm picking.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Um, I do think that, teams in the east might be feeling like there is some vulnerability uh with the bulldogs with them you know maybe a tad bit of complacency sets in in the off season after you win a national title um i think that they avoid that probably because it's going to be pretty easy for kirby smart to look around and say look uh a lot of you guys you didn't start during that you know we're only returning 10 starters from that that team so different team different season uh but maybe a little bit of complacency sets in um and i, I do think that you know stetson bennett has proven he's a good quarterback uh, but he he's not an a a great quarterback um so i think maybe a bit of vulnerability that sec east teams but i don't think anybody in that division is ready to take advantage of that so definitely those two are the pick uh for me um i would say georgia with an over under of 11 and a half tells you exactly what the people in vegas think of that schedule uh that georgia has it's incredibly manageable so um i I don't really see any rational reason to pick anybody else.
1: Yeah, it's just Georgia was so historically good on defense last year that yeah. you don't – even if they're really good this year, it's hard to replicate. Um, you, they still have some some really good guys coming back on defense, but it's going to be hard to replicate. And they had some – I mean, they, they beat Clemson by a touchdown last year, and then everybody else, they blew out of the water. So maybe even if they regress to the mean a little bit on defense, maybe they instead of winning by 40 points, they win by 30 points. Um, but that, that's, yeah, until somebody knocks those two off, they're going to be my pick. Uh, getting to games to watch, TJ, and games to watch with a caveat you cannot pick a championship game of Georgia and Alabama. Um, and if you really want to up the, up the uh, difficulty, you know, pick a game that doesn't involve Georgia or Alabama.
2: Yeah. Um, I think I tipped my hand a little bit earlier, Arkansas, Texas, a and uh, I think that that is a battle for second place in the West. And I think that the winner of that game sets themselves up to be the primary challenger to the Crimson Tide. Uh, Arkansas gets to host Alabama. So, you know, uh, again, I I do think that that's a critical game. Um, And really, I think a very important one for Jimbo Fisher, because with the amount of money that people are investing into that program, they're going to expect significant results very quickly uh, you don't you don't throw that money at players the way that they are and expect to be okay finishing 8 and 4 so i think that the the Aggies and their faithful are going to be looking for a bounce back season from what was ultimately pretty disappointing for them last season um, so It's like that's a really important game Uh, the only negative i kind of hate that it's at arlington Uh, that's a a cool atmosphere with those two fan bases that are close to that location but still always prefer the the home and home uh, settings the really the only other one that i would kind of tip is going to be tennessee and florida um again that's one Early on in the season, it's week four for the Vols. Uh, Florida, coming in with the new coach, Billy Napier, Anthony Richardson is a really good quarterback that could take a next step up this season and kind of insert himself into, you know, top 10 quarterback in the country type conversation. Uh, And if he does that, that's a dangerous Florida team. You know, if Anthony Richardson is playing at a superstar level, which he showed flashes of last season then at you know florida becomes a bit of a different animal and that's a game that's at home and in, in tennessee they'll be expected to win that but they're going to have to play well to do it and if florida goes in in the first year of billy napier's tenure and wins that game that's going to be a, a real blow uh, to tennessee if the volunteers get that one you know, they set themselves up to be 4-0, and going into their off week. After that, they're at LSU uh, and then hosting Alabama. So, you know, a chance there to to be going 5-0 and with the Crimson Tide coming to town on October 15th. So I, that's just a little shout to the SEC East in a game that um, I think just has program implications, not necessarily – Title implications for this season.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna pick uh, Kentucky at Tennessee. That's that's my pick. Kentucky's coming off a ten win year. Will Levis is kind of a dark horse Heisman uh, Heisman contender. If he has another yeah. great year, he he'll be in that conversation. Yeah, so-
2: he's getting NFL like first round draft buzz, which is, uh, crazy. I mean, I saw him at, at Penn state and I would not have bet any sum of money that that was going to come to fruition. Uh, but props to him and kudos to Kentucky for developing him. And I mean, he's earned it. He's really good. And, uh, it's, it's cool to see players develop like that.
1: Yeah. If, uh, I think that's gonna this game is gonna determine who finishes second in the in the east. Um, it, it's again, it's during IU's open week. Last year, Tennessee won on the road at Kentucky, 4542. I think it's gonna be another high scoring game uh, between these two. Hopefully, it's a lot like the Music City Bowl last year. That it was just back and forth and back and forth at the end. I think there was like eight lead changes the last four minutes, and it was awesome. Um, but it, it's two teams that don't really haven't been in the spotlight all that much uh, in the last you know decade or two. So it, it's that it's a nice SEC matchup. It's an open week, and there's gonna be, you know, a, maybe a division, a division title on the line because Kentucky does put, host Georgia on on November nineteenth. So if they could get through uh, in, in good shape uh, until October twenty ninth, that that game's gonna be at, at Neyland Stadium. It's it's gonna be big time atmosphere. Yep, that's
2: a solid choice. I mean, there's so many. good games, it's impossible to narrow down. But I I think we did a good job of going a bit off the beaten path and, and, you know, show you guys like, look, any week that you turn on this conference, you're going to find some really good games, some really good atmospheres. Uh, I know it's cliche and it is uh, a bit overbearing the SEC love that goes on nationally, but there is a reason for it. Like it's there's a lot of really, really good programs and really fun atmospheres to watch uh, on TV. Pretty much every week, you're going to get something uh, that's going to be worth your time.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I am also, we're going to go now, TJ, two big programs have new coaches this year. You alluded to it with Billy Napier at yeah. Florida, and you have... um Brian Kelly going down to LSU. Uh, he he left Notre Dame last year before the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, goes down to LSU. is kind of shocking, but not shocking. Um, those two LSU got rid of Ed O'Gron after last or during last season, um, but they they fired him during the season, let him finish out the season. But they're just two years removed. From having the best offense in college football history and at winning a national title, Florida is two seasons removed from an SEC championship game uh, appearance. How long do these programs take to bounce back? Will they have the patience? I know LSU might not have the patience, um, but does Florida have the patience to give Billy Napier a chance? Uh, you know before. Tearing it back down and going to find the next thing in coaching. Uh, LSU is the same way. I think they have enough talent to, to maybe bounce back a little bit, um, get to a better bowl than the Texas Bowl. But you're in that SEC West, and even if you're a good team, you could still finish sixth or seventh in that division.
2: Yeah. Uh... That was such an interesting move culturally. Um, Initially you look at it and you're like, man, Ed Ogeron, perfect fit culturally for LSU. And look, regardless of anybody's feelings about Ed Ogeron as a head coach or that hire, that was a success. They won a national title under Ed Ogeron. That's a success. Now, they clearly believed this is not a long-term success things are already slipping and apparently uh, if you believe the rumors it was not a program that was run efficiently um, or as one would expect a major college football program to be operated Um, so they go out and get a true you know ceo of a program in brian kelly it it on its face it does make a ton of sense brian kelly incredibly successful at notre dame um uh, so he chooses to go to lsu a place with really no limitations on the types of guys you can recruit the types of guys you can land and the type of program you can have at LSU the ceiling is national titles and it it was unclear whether or not that's the ceiling at Notre Dame or if the ceiling is top five but not number one um not saying that it can't happen but I think Brian Kelly clearly felt I've taken it as far as I can. So, an interesting move that makes sense, though, for both sides. The question is going to be for both Brian Kelly and Billy Napier, can you recruit at the level you have to recruit to be successful in the SEC? Um, You are swimming with the absolute biggest of fish trying to – get the same pool of players um this year i don't think that lsu is going to be very good Uh, i think that they'll be probably a bit more buttoned up than last season i think that they will have less kind of hurting themselves than they did last season but i still don't think that the talent level uh is all that high uh Comparatively speaking, when you look at the rest of the conference, Florida, I kind of feel the same way, but I think that they've got a better starting point at quarterback than LSU does. Um, I kind of, I, I think that Billy Napier will have Florida in a pretty good position um, this season to, to improve from last year, get into maybe a seven and five type record. Uh, I, I LSU. I'd be fairly surprised if they can uh, do much better than. Uh, personally, I've got them six and six. Uh, but I think that the main reason for that is I do not see the offensive difference makers at LSU right now, and that's something that that Brian Kelly has to get corrected really quickly because. That fan base is not going to be patient.
1: Um, no, they're not. Especially if you go six and six in your first season. I I, I know right. that might be a realistic, you know, for a rational human being, but you're dealing with an irrational group of human beings. Um, you know, when it when it comes well, to, to boosters and and all that stuff, six and like six. The
2: opener, the opener is against another program that. Feels like they should be much better than where they're at right now. Florida State opening in New Orleans. Yep. You know why Florida State schedules that game? I have no clue. Um, but they're opening on Sunday night uh, in in the Superdome against Florida State. That's a game that LSU really should win. Yep. And their other non-conference games are Southern. New Mexico and UAB. Those make a lot of sense. Let's say that those are four wins. You know, your East crossovers are, uh, I know they play Florida. Florida. Uh, Florida and Tennessee. That's tough. Yep. Tough crossovers. And then you've got the West. So I, I, again, I think that there's, a lot of reasons why the hire makes perfect sense. But I do think that there's some cause for concern that Brian Kelly will be able to recruit at the level that LSU expects going against Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher. Um, really that that's the main ones, right? I mean, they expect to be at that level.
1: And, and, and yeah, in the West, and then you have Kirby's Kirby smart in the, in the East. Uh, yeah. As well, so it's. Yeah. I, I don't know. He, I don't know how patient LSU is going to be. That that's my thing. It is if if because six and six seems, you know, like, it may be, maybe, maybe it happened. Maybe it doesn't. Um, I mean they have talent. It's just you, you go through the schedule in the last two years. They've kind of been underwhelming. And you're right. There's. You know, outside of, of maybe Auburn, but they have to go to Auburn in that game and that series is always crazy. Um, yeah. So you know, it's how much uh, how much patience does each have? And going back to Florida and Billy Navier, the reason he's in and um, the previous coach is out was because the, the the previous coach couldn't recruit and he made some crazy comments that you know, recruiting doesn't matter. And it, it really rattled the cages of, of boosters. And it, it's not something you could say in the SEC is, hey, you know, we're not worried about recruiting right now. You should always be recruiting. And, you know, whether it's that comment or just the underperformance at Florida um, got him canned. Uh, got the is Dan Mullen, wasn't it? Um, yep, Dan Mullen, yeah got Dan Mullen out there,
2: uh, his ability to develop like his guys that he would find these diamonds in the rough and develop them. You know, that that can work for two or three guys out of your class that you find these, these projects that you believe in. That's great. And that works for two or three guys out of your class. But if that's half your class and you're landing, you know, outside of the top 30, in terms of national recruiting class, you're you're not gonna last in that conference. No. Um, I, I do think Brian Kelly is a good recruiter, but that will not be good enough at LSU. And terrible, terrible dancer. But, terrible you know,
1: dancer, good recruiter.
2: Yeah, yeah, and time's gonna tell, but as far as this season, which is our, our current discussion, I really – I don't think that it's going to get off to the uh, the type of start that, that Brian Kelly would be hoping for. Now, he is really going to be judged, I think, starting – yes, it's going to start this season, but I think that they will expect major results next season, uh, 2023. So it's building the foundation this season and building that recruiting base and then in 2023 it's really got to take off or they'll start asking questions so um, that one's going to be interesting to watch obviously being in the east billy napier's got a little bit easier going uh week in and week out um and again i think the quarterback position he starts off at a, a stronger base with anthony richardson but um it, it's going to be interesting to see how the Brian Kelly situation plays out. Um, and I think we're going to know within a couple of years, whether or not that's a long-term fit. I agree. All right. We're
1: going to pick our road trip destination, TJ. If you had to pick one game in the SEC, and if you pick Arkansas, Texas, AM and and a neutral site, um, I'm finding a new co-host um, yeah. if uh, if you had to go to one game at any stadium in the SEC uh, this year where are you going uh,
2: I would say I kind of hate that it's on Thanksgiving but uh, I I think it'd be awesome to see the Egg Bowl in person uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State November 24th all right I, I'm and that is sure. at, at at Ole Miss, so you get the Grove experience as well. And um, you know, I I don't know what kind of stakes are going to be on that one. I think both teams will be firmly in the middle, going to bowl games, but not really threatening for anything above seven or eight wins. Um, but I think it'll be a really fun game. Yeah, I I go Ole Miss as well, except I am
1: going on. Uh, where is it? Uh, I'm going November 12th, a couple of weeks before that, when Alabama comes to town. Uh, it's Lane Kiffin against Nick Saban. So you have that side show. Um, it, it's the, the Ole Miss fans are going to be fired up for it uh, as well. And this could be, you know, if Ole Miss is having a really good season, Alabama's gone in there and lost before. So crazy things happen um, in, in that stadium and in that place. Plus, uh, it'll probably be yeah, maybe it's a night game and maybe it's one of those uh, CBS three thirty games. But you get all day at the Grove. You get the tailgating uh, and just being around that atmosphere for for an Alabama Ole Miss game would be that. That's my pick for for road trip in the SEC this year.
2: Sounds like we need a uh, a trip well, to Ole Miss to uh, to see our, our good buddy Nate, perhaps.
1: Yeah. Uh, Old Miss also uh, just won the college men's college world series, so congratulations to them. Congratulations to our own Nathan Comp as well. So, anyway, that's uh, that's it for our SEC uh, preview podcast. TJ, any final thoughts?
2: Obviously, this is a highly competitive league. It's a league that a ton of t- attention gets paid to um, on a national basis. I think it's kind of the uh, one of the main hearts of the sport for sure is, is the fan bases in the SEC. Um, while I think it's dismissive to say that, oh, it means more, you know, it's dismissive to fan bases like Texas and Oklahoma and one's in the big 10. Texas and
1: Oklahoma will be in the sec soon, TJ. And it will just mean the
2: most. It will. Well, they kind of won't be lying at that point and the TV contract will, will uh, agree. Um, But I think that one of the more interesting parts of this conference to me is even when the quarterback play from top to bottom is not all that convincing, which I think has been the case for the past couple of seasons and will be the case again this year um, you know I, I think they've got some very good quarterbacks obviously I mean Bryce Young at the top of the heap uh, but you know even some of the schools that are right here in the middle of this league major questions the quarterback uh, but they still end up finding ways to be really good teams based on their line play and the speed of really every unit on the team. That's the main thing that jumps off the page when you watch them against other conferences. Sometimes it's just much quicker. The sec guys are at times, Um, but what makes this league really fun to watch is the environments. Um, it's the environments that, that are, you know, week in and week out you're getting um, with these games. And I certainly am a fan of, of catching those three thirty games when I use not playing on, on CBS or, uh, you know, the night games in places like Mississippi state with cowbells being annoying and, uh, Georgia in between the hedges with their, their fans that are painted in the black paint with the and, dog Tennessee and their bike. mustard bottles. Yeah. Tennessee with their mustard bottles and creamsicle uniforms with mustaches and mullets. And uh, I mean, look, it's got something for everybody, right? Uh, but I think that what makes this league really fun is those environments on on TV which is why again i think it's understandable why a pro, why a, a rivalry like Texas A&M and Arkansas plays on a neutral site but you watch that game versus watching one at Kyle Field or in Fayetteville i think it just brings the point home like keep these home and home series alive it it really is a better product that way.
1: Yeah, I agree. And my final thought on the SEC is, I don't really care who who wins the conference. It's probably going to be Alabama and Georgia yet again. I am really really excited to see what teams like Tennessee, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, um, Texas A and M, to an extent, uh, to see maybe they push the top two. But all these teams in the middle florida lsu um, all these teams in the middle see what they do um, and really see you know if they're as if they're as equal or as, as close to as what we think uh, to each other as we think there are going to be a lot of great games to watch this fall in the sec and that's just one it's great for the fans And two, I think it's great for the sport because the more good games you have on TV, um, the, and this is not pushing for more conference games. Uh, Don't get me wrong on that, but the more good games you have on TV, the more the sport will grow. Uh, And and that's good for everybody. So that does it for our SEC uh, preview. TJ, thanks for joining us. I believe we are off next week. With the 4th of July weekend, so enjoy your trip out west to Seattle. Maybe you'll uh, run into some old friends in Kalen DeBoer, Nick Sheridan, uh, and William Inge out there. Um, And then... Yep. Yep, and then uh, our uh, listeners have a happy 4th of July as well. We'll be back the week after. I, I believe we are previewing Somebody else. Uh, is it the Pac twelve?
2: Might be. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do another conference preview. We'll have Andy Graham on soon again. Um to to continue ramping up uh IU centric coverage. Really next week off, and then after that we'll be on uh every week through the season. So uh you know, hope everybody's ready for that. Really after July fourth, it's kinda it gets serious. You know, you're looking at 50, 50 to 60 days left after that before uh, before we're, we're into it against Illinois. So hope everybody has a good week. We appreciate you.
1: Yep. We got ACC and Big 12 uh, July 11th. Uh, if you haven't heard, also Big 10 media days are July 26th and 27th. IU goes on the 26th. We'll have that covered as well. Uh, TJ, enjoy uh, the holiday weekend. Enjoy the travels. And we'll talk to you. Uh, in a couple weeks. All right, that does it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to the Hoosier Huddle podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you have your podcast loaded up to. Uh, Please uh, review, rate, subscribe uh, as well. And HoosierHuddle.com has the countdown to kickoff uh, is well underway. We're down to day 66 as of this recording. We also have our preseason uh, previews of IU's opponents. So far out is Illinois and Idaho. And on Friday, we'll have Western Kentucky dropping as well. And we'll go through this, the, the schedule every week or so. Um, maybe quicker than that as the season draws a little bit closer have a great holiday weekend coming up on July 4th Uh, be safe uh, with the fireworks and things like that Uh, enjoy time with family and we'll talk um, the ACC and Big 12 in a couple of weeks thanks for joining us
0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again.